So why don't you uh, make eye contact with someone sitting around you, meaningful eye contact. Go ahead, find somebody, look them in the eye, meaningful eye contact, and say to them, I'm so glad you're here. Go ahead, just say it to them, I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thanks for, thanks for coming out. So last week we uh, finished up a, hey, by the way, uh, just raise your hand if you are happy and excited to be in church today. All right, I'm going to say something I don't often say. If you don't want to be here, you can leave right now. You will get full credit in heaven for being in church. You don't have to stay anymore. You can just go. No, no judgment. But if you want to be here, it's going to be a great, great, and awesome day. Uh, we are beginning a brand new sermon series today, and we are talking about the Holy Spirit. We finished up last week our sermon series on Everyday Matters. Yes, I kind of like that one. Uh, Everyday Matters. We're talking today about the Holy Spirit for a couple of reasons, and one of them is uh, I felt led by the Holy Spirit to talk about the Holy Spirit. But number two, I'm going to show you a quote from a pastor uh, named Jim Cimbala, and I agree with what Jim says in the quote, and that's why we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Here's what Jim says. He says this, many people, many of those in Christ, many people find it easy to relate to God the Father and Jesus the Son. But when it comes to the role of the Spirit in their lives, they don't have a clear picture of who he is or what he does. And I believe that. I, I agree with Jim. I, I think a lot of those who, who follow Christ and, by, and, and those who are in Christ, by the way, you already raised your hand if you said, yeah, I, I'm in Christ. And if you did raise your hand before, then, then I would say even about you, you, you can maybe easily understand God the Father. God the Father is the creator and, and he's almighty God and, and God the Son, Jesus, who died for us. But when it comes to understanding the Holy Spirit, it can be for a lot of us a little confusing. There's a lot of talk out there. Let me be honest. There's a lot of craziness out there when you hear about the Holy Spirit. And I believe what we need right now is biblically balanced teaching on the Holy Spirit to understand his role. What does he do in our lives? So we're going to begin in that scripture I already, I already showed you, uh, Galatians chapter 4, and understand what is the role of the Holy Spirit. Number one, just to remind you, the Holy Spirit is, is God. We understand God in three parts, one in, one in essence and three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And in, in this scripture, I'm going to show you, we see all three. We see all three dimensions of the Trinity in the scripture. It says this, but when the right time came, think about that, there was a right time. From, the, from the, the first day of creation until the end of the world, there was a right time. And when the right time came, God sent his son. There's the first two members of the Trinity. God sent his son. Now, Christians often describe themselves or should, could describe themselves as sent people. God sends the son, the son sends the spirit, and we are sent into the world with a mission and a purpose from God himself. Say amen, say amen to that. So we already, we already know when the right time came, God, the father sent God, the son, God sent the son to born of a woman, two important things, born of a woman, subject to the law of God. Born of a woman means this. Jesus was both the son of man and the son of God. He was all man and all God at the same time. He was born of a woman. That's how he could die for mankind because he was one of us, born of a woman subject to the law of God. Now, the law of God was something that, that uh, humans could not obey. None of us could perfectly obey the law of God, but Jesus was subject 
to the law. Born of a woman, subject to the law. Watch what it says. God sent him to purchase, to buy our freedom with his own blood. With his own blood, with his own life. Jesus gave his life that we could have freedom. Watch the rest of it. For us who are slaves to the law. It continues like this. So that he could adopt us as his very own children. This is really important for you. It's really important for you. If you raise your hand, you said, yes, I'm in Christ. Yes, I believe Jesus is the son of God. To know you aren't just a follower, a disciple. You are those things, but you are also a child of God. Now, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go right now. I'm jumping over verse six. I'm gonna go to verse seven and we'll focus on verse six in a second. Verse seven says this, continues the thought. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. Not a single amen in the room. Unbelievable. Let me do it again. I'll give you a second chance. Redemption is coming. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his heir. If you're in Christ, you're a co-heir with Christ. And I tell you, you, if you believe that, it would affect every ounce of your life. Every day of your life, every day matters when you understand you're a co-heir with Christ. You know, I was, uh, I read this sermon uh, by a pastor named Frederick Beckner. Uh, and he says, he begins his sermon and he says this, just look what he says. He says this, he says, to all those who believe and all those who don't believe and all those who believe, but don't really believe. And I think some of you might be in that third category. You believe, you raised your hand. I believe it. But when I read this scripture, it doesn't feel like we're talking about you. You are no longer a slave. You are God's own child and you are co-heir with Christ. Oh, you gotta, you gotta soak that in. You gotta, what does it mean? What are you gonna, you're, you're an heir. You're gonna inherit eternal life in Christ. Come on, come on. Verse six, here it is. And because we are his children, God sent, that second time, it says sent. We have all, all three, all three parts of the Trinity in this verse. God sent the spirit of his son. There it is. God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. All right there. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Hey, take your hand and put it over your heart right now. Just touch, touch your heart. The, the Holy Spirit is right there. The Holy Spirit is, is also out there, but he is also right here. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. Say amen. The Spirit of the Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Number one of four fill-ins today is this first central truth that I want you to understand it, see it. Biblically balanced teaching on the Holy Spirit, number one. When we give our lives to Christ, God sends the Holy Spirit to live within us. Now this is, this, this well, I should probably leave that up there for you. Um, this is so important. We have an entire sermon in this series dedicated to understanding what it means that God's spirit, the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. It's mind blowing. It's amazing. You, you gotta stick around to understand what it means that the Holy Spirit lives in you. But I wanna show you something. The question is, what's the Holy Spirit do What's his role in our lives? And that verse ended and it said this, that the Holy Spirit is prompting us to call out Abba, Father. Second part of that verse speaks of intimacy. Abba, Abba is just a word that it means daddy. It's 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 what every Hebrew child would say in every Jewish home, every single home in that day and age and even today, they're gonna call out Abba, Abba, 
Father, Papa, Daddy, Abba. And, and, but, but look what the verse says. It says, prompting us. Let's think about what it means to prompt. Just for a second. We see it right here. The Holy Spirit is prompting us. What's it mean to prompt, number one? To prompt means to move to action. To prompt, to prompt is the idea to remind or to bring to your awareness, prompting. One role of the Holy Spirit is to prompt. Now in my house, if you come by my house at some point and you're standing in my kitchen, you might look at my trash can. And occasionally, every now and then, my trash can is, is a little bit overflowing and I have a dog and uh, that's a problem. But anyway, um, we put a broom on top of the trash can because he gets in the trash. But, but sometimes, even with the broom on top, there's a little bit of trash coming out and, and it's my job to take out the trash. That's, that's one, of my, one of my roles. I don't remember signing up for that, but that's my job. Uh, and every now and then, my wonderful, amazing wife, who is wonderful and amazing, she'll just say in a very matter-of-fact way, hey, looks like the trash is full. That's it. She prompts me. She's great at it. Uh, she just kind of prompts. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. Actually, this full. Well, let, me, let me take that out. Uh, prompted. How many of you guys have had someone else at some point in your life prompt you? Ever been prompted by something? Absolutely prompted. Yeah, definitely. What if I told you the role of the Holy Spirit is to prompt you? The Holy Spirit moves you to action. He brings awareness to you in a very special way. Let me, let me tell you a story about a time when I was prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I have, I have like 1,001 stories like this one. But here's an example. So I was in Africa. I was in Zimbabwe, Africa. With a, on a mission team, there were 20 of us. 10 of us were juniors and seniors in high school. 10 were adults. And we were there with Living Water of Ohio, putting in water wells and, and working with orphans and preaching and just all kinds of great stuff. And on Sunday, we were there in Zimbabwe, went to two churches on that Sunday morning. The first church we went to, Pastor Gary preached, and we were there, and it was actually out, there was no building, it was outdoor church, and they, people brought chairs, and they sat, they sat all together, and in that service, the only time I can ever remember, two men came in, almost falling down drunk to that church service. They heard the music, and they're like, wow, party, whoa, this is not a party, it's church. Both of them that day prayed to accept Christ. Give a hand for that. Right. I'm not sure where they are now or what happened, but that day they prayed to accept Christ. Then we go to the second service. And we were late getting there. We were almost an hour late to the second service that I was preaching in, but it didn't matter because the service went five hours anyway. So being an hour late was not a big deal at all. And the service happened and I preached and everyone else preached and then there was testimonies and then there was more music and then there was more preaching and more testimonies. And the service finally, praise God, finally ended. I mean, in a good way, like this one will finally end. And you might say, praise God, when it ends too. But I go to the pastor of that church. The pastor of that church and his wife were right there. And, uh, and they said, Pastor Tom, we want to pray for you. I said, please pray for me. And that pastor took his hand out, put it on my, on my chest. And his, his wife touched my arm. And, and they prayed in English for me this really nice prayer. And I said, you know, I'm going to tell a story about you guys in church. I want to, I want to take your picture. Uh, and, I, and I want to pray for you. Can I get your picture? And they said, sure. And I took their picture. Here's a picture. I took this picture of them. And I said, guys, um, you look kind of sad in this picture. I'm going to show this picture in America. So smile. I said, smile. And I got the second picture. Here's the second picture. Oh, no, they're still sad. <laughs> they did not smile. They were not happy. It was not, it was not a thing. Actually, when I even walked in that church, I felt a little heaviness. Like, man, there's something happening in this church, and I don't know what it is. And, and, and it was just, just felt heavy. And so I said to the pastor, let me pray for you. He said, please. And I reached my hand out, and I touched his lapel of his jacket right there. I touched lapel, and the moment I touched his jacket, I, I, I had the experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit, the peace of God right there, and I heard in my mind, unprompted, not my own thoughts, the Holy Spirit gave me, immediately gave me a scripture in the Bible for that pastor. I said, Pastor, I, I have a word for you. And his eyes got big. He said, please, give me a word. And I, and, I, and I prayed this over him. I said, this is what the Lord says to you today. 
Do not, this is Galatians chapter six, do not be weary in doing good. For in due time, you will reap a harvest. And I said, if you do not give up. And when I said it, his eyes just, he was, his head was bowed. He looked at me, his eyes got big. And I knew in that moment, he was contemplating giving up the ministry. And his wife started crying and he got really teary out. He's like, I needed that word. I needed that word. And I said to him again, I said, do not give up. God is not done with you. Do not give up. Let me say that to all of you right now. God is not done with you. You matter. Do not give up. But, but in, that, in that moment, in that, in that place, I, I, felt that, I felt that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Who would say here, raise your hand. You know what it means. You've experienced the prompting of the Holy Spirit at some point in your life. You, you know what it is. Come on, higher, higher, higher. Higher, 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 higher. Okay, good. Lots, lots of you. My question for you is, is not, do you know the Holy Spirit prompts us? Because you probably know that. The question is, how often should you expect the Holy Spirit to prompt you? For some of you, your expectation is never. I never expect the Holy Spirit to ever prompt me, to move me to action or to bring something to my awareness. And let me just tell you, I prayed for you today. I prayed for every person who would hear this sermon. And I asked God, what do you want me to say to them? And I clearly heard from God to tell you today, he is more willing to speak to you than you imagine. God is more willing to speak to you than you imagine. He prompts us. Here's number two. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to prompt us. He brings awareness and he moves us to action in our life. I want your expectation of how often the Holy Spirit might prompt you to increase. I actually, I actually believe about many of you, you're already being prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to repent of something, to, to give up some kind of sin, or, or you're being prompted by the Holy Spirit to, to speak to someone, to pray for someone, to do something, and you don't even understand it is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is prompting you, have ears to hear and have eyes to see. Let me, let me, let me break down some more things about the Holy Spirit. How about this? You've heard this phrase before, the presence of of the Holy Spirit. And as a second phrase, the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Let me, let, me, let me demystify this for you just a little bit so you understand. Here's a verse in the Bible that actually contains both of those things. The presence of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit as well. So the verse says, Psalm 1611, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. So, so guidance from the Holy Spirit is any time in your life that you, that you ask God for direction. God, I, I, I need your direction. Like for me, for example, I, I was dating my wife. I was madly in love with my wife and I very much wanted to, to marry her. And I fasted for three days to ask God, is it your will that, that, I, marry, uh, that I marry Tracy, who I'm now married to? And I, I said, God, I'm gonna fast for three days. And I began the fast and I prayed and I had confirmation within one minute. It was God's will that I married my wife, which I kind of already knew. And I'm like, and I got to wait three more days of not eating, but I did. I did it. I fasted three days on that decision. Just guidance. I I know you've done, I know you've asked God for this. God, should I buy this car? God, should I uh, buy this house? God, should I take this job? Should I marry this person? Should I, give me guidance? God, direct me. In fact, I believe some of you today are asking God for guidance. Hey, just show that with your hand raised. You're you're asking God, even right now, God, give me guidance in some way, in some area. And you know what? Here's great news. God provides guidance through the Holy Spirit. I'll talk more about this in a second. How about this word presence? It It says it right here. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Think about that. Now, here's what you know and what I know as well is that there, there are people in life. In fact, I would say, I'd say everyone, every person has what we call presence. 
That when you, when you get near someone, you approach someone, you're around them, you actually begin to feel things because you're in their, in their presence. A, a long time ago, I was teaching uh, over at Granville Christian, right, you know, right on that side of the building. I was a teacher at Granville Christian. This, is, this story is from 19, 1998, how long ago this story was. I was teaching at Granville Christian, and there was a, an angry family uh, with the school. I don't remember what about, but it happens sometimes. And, and there was going to be a contentious meeting with an angry family and the administration of the school. And someone suggested to me, they said, they said Tom, uh, would you sit in on this meeting? And this is what they said. Would you sit in on this meeting? Don't say anything. You have, they said to me, you have a calming presence. Oh, isn't that nice, right? A calming presence. I don't think I do at all. I don't believe it. Not for one second, not at all. I have an inciting presence, I think, right? That's what I said. You have a calming presence. They thought if I sat in the meeting, it would just be calmer and, 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 and more under control. You know, you know, you have a presence. When you're around someone, that people feel things because you're there. Some of you, some of you have a, a quiet, gentle presence, and everyone loves being around you because you're quiet and gentle. Some of you, some of you have like a like an inspiring presence. And, and when someone's around you, they feel a little bit inspired. You have a presence about you. You know, T- Tim Keller, a uh, pastor from, from New York City, uh, tells a story about when he met, he met Billy Graham. This is back in the 1970s. Tim Keller was really young. Billy Graham was older. And Tim Keller says, when he approached Billy Graham to shake his hand, he felt the authority of God coming off of Billy Graham. That's the presence that Billy Graham had. You have, you have a presence. I have a presence. But guess what? God has a presence when you, when you are in the presence of God, you feel, you experience certain things from God. And if you're doubting me, read the verse. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. Now let's just talk about the presence of God for a second. First of all, just so you understand, David tells us clearly, Psalm 139, verse seven, David asked God, where can I go from your spirit? That's the Holy Spirit. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, he's saying this. If I go to the bottom of the ocean, the Holy Spirit is there. Or like Jonah said, Jonah said, I I sank to the root of the mountain and God, you were there. There's nowhere you can go that God is not there. We call this in theology, we call this omnipresence. I'll say omni, you say presence, okay? Omni, that means God's everywhere. Now you probably believe that already. But what we don't, we know is, is God is everywhere, but you don't always experience God's presence, even though he's there. Like right now, right now, I promise you, the Holy Spirit is here around us. And if you're following Christ, he's here in your heart as well. But you may not be experiencing the joy, peace, love, gentleness of the Holy Spirit. That's a different thing. That thing actually, I'm gonna go back 150 years. They called it this. 150 years ago, they said there's omnipresence. God's always there. But there's also this thing called manifest presence. The manifest presence of God is the moment that you are aware the presence of God is at work in this moment. Or you might also call it the the tangible presence of God. Again, the question is this. How often should you expect, not just to know God is here, omnipresence, but to understand, to, to experience the tangible experience of God's presence. That feels like peace, by the way. How many guys here, raise your hand, you, you have experienced the peace of God in your life. You, you felt it, right? That, that's it, that's it. That's a, that's a tangible manifest presence of God. But the question is, how often should you expect to receive, to be in God's presence, to receive God's peace, to have joy that comes from God alone. How often? Is this another place where every day matters and every day is an opportunity to be in God's presence? How about this one real fast? 
the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says to us, when he, the spirit truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. One role of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into truth. So let me tell you this, and this is my straight up advice for you. If you're in any relationship and you think the person you're in a relationship with is not being truthful, it's a spouse, it's a child, it's a boss, it's a teacher in school, whoever it might be, you suspect that someone's not being truthful, I, I suggest this to you. Pray and ask God, God, reveal to me the truth. I, I've told a hundred spouses that. Pastor Tom, I think my wife might be, maybe has someone else, or I think my husband might have somebody else. I just say this, pray for God to reveal the truth. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. That's happened, I've seen it happen a thousand times where they, they, they pray that prayer and then that day God reveals something to them. You can pray that prayer. God reveal truth. God wants to reveal truth to you. But second of all, the Holy Spirit is a guide. He guides us, he directs us. Sometimes, sometimes that guidance is better described as conviction where we, we realize we are guided by the Spirit to see we're doing something that is wrong and we need to stop. We need to stop doing that thing that we do. That's guidance from the Holy Spirit. It also happens through your conscience. Paul says some have, have, have rejected their conscience and made a shipwreck of their faith. The Spirit guides us. Here's a question for you. This question will guide the rest of this sermon, by the way. Can we live in such a way that we experience the presence and work of the Holy Spirit more frequently? Or, or is God just saying, you know what? It's up to me. You'll have my presence when I give it to you and you can't, nothing about, nothing about how you live affects how much of my presence or my guidance you have in your life. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe the answer to this question is yes. I think you can live. I think the Bible instructs us in how to live so much more frequently. We can experience the presence of God and the guidance, the work of the Holy Spirit. Who would say, raise your hand, you want that. You want more, more of the Holy Spirit more of his presence, more of his guidance. So, so let me tell you how, four things. Four things I believe the Bible says we can do to increase how often we experience the presence and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Here's, here's the first one of those. Actually, this one, this verse has two of the four right here. James says to us, submit yourselves then to God. Just stay on that for a second. Submit yourself then to God. It means, it means surrender. It means give up. Submit yourself is a term, uh, it's a military term actually in, in, in the Greek. In the military term, it's what you do to your commanding officer. This verse could say, make God your commanding officer that you would serve him. Submit yourself then to God and resist the devil and he will flee from you. I'm not sure if you believe in the devil or if you don't believe in the devil, but Jesus believed in the devil. He even encountered the devil. It says here, resist the devil and he will flee to you. And I actually think you can switch those up. If you submit to the devil, I, I, you know, then, then God is probably gonna feel kind of far away to you. I'm not, God won't flee from you, but God's gonna feel far away if you're submitting to the devil. So you gotta submit to God and resist the devil. And then it says this simple thing, come near to God and he will come near to you. So number one thing, if you'd say, yes, I want more. I want more of the work of the Holy Spirit in my life, more of God's presence, more of God's guidance. Number one, submit yourself to God. Surrender to him. And I think you should do it every day. Surrender to God. And then number two, it's right here, clearly. Come near to God. Approach him. Here's, here's other verses on that. James 4, 8, come near to God. Hebrews 22, uh, 10, 22. Let us draw near to God. How about this one? Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then with confidence, or the King James says, with boldness. Why don't you say the word boldness? Hold on. Three, two, one, go. Boldness. Let us with boldness draw near to the throne of grace. 
Now, it's, interestingly enough, uh, Chinese, Chinese pastor and author about 100 years ago, Watchman Nee, he said this. He said, there is a direct relationship between you knowing you're accepted by God and your desire to approach God. When you know God has accepted you as a child, then you can freely approach God. But the moment you feel like, oh, I'm unacceptable to God. And actually many of you right now feel that. Oh, well, I I sinned yesterday. I shouldn't have done that thing. I can't approach God. I'm not worthy. No, 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 no. Break that down. You gotta understand, you can approach God as his child. And let me say this, let me say this for a second. Let me say this. When you understand you're a child of God, it means you can approach him. You can draw near to him. You can go after him because you're his child. Now, now for me, the idea of children has recently shifted because I had three, three girls in my house. They all grew up there. I raised, my wife and I raised three daughters and then, and then praise God, they all left. Awesome, awesome. They went to college, you know, two of them went to college. One of them uh, has an apartment, a job. She's getting married this summer and they were in my house and we love them and, we, and they left and we're like, wow, empty nest. Oh my gosh, the empty nest is peaceful. And now college semester has ended and here's the happy, joyful news. My girls are back in my house. My girls are back in my face all over again. And I, I forgot some things about my girls. Number one, now we stayed close, we talked. It wasn't like, don't speak to me till, till uh, May. No, it wasn't like that. We talked while they were gone, but you know what? I I remembered about my girls when they came back. My girls are awesome. Oh, they're so much fun. They're so fun. They're so fun. Uh, You know, Elle and I were driving in today. My my daughter, she's right here in the front row. She's, I I call her beautiful and brilliant, Ella. And we're driving in today and I said, honey, you you gotta help me. We got a baby dedication. We have eight babies being dedicated. And she's like, eight babies? Where do all these babies come from? And I was like, well... When a mommy loves a daddy. And then we laughed in the car. We just laughed and laughed and laughed. It's awesome. I cannot imagine my daughter for one second thinking, I can't go to my dad. I could never go to my dad. I couldn't ask my dad dad for help. I couldn't go to him. No, she comes to me for anything she wants at any moment that she wants for sure. That's how you should approach God. You should approach God knowing you are his child. You're approaching God. You draw near to God. With boldness, you approach the throne of grace. Number one, you submit. Say submit. Number two, draw near to God. Number three, thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Number three, number three, how you think affects how you live. Let me say it again. How you think affects how you live. Here's what Paul says. Paul says, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and, you're going to say it, life and, there it is right there, your mindset. Where you set your mind matters. Here's fill in number three. We experience the presence and work of the spirit as we set our mind on the, on the things of the spirit. Now, let me say this to you. I think if this, if this is confusing, it should not be confusing at all. It's one question you ask yourself. There's one question you ask yourself that sets your mind on the spirit or on the flesh. And here's the question. If you you ask yourself this question, what am I doing? Where am I going? What do I want? I, I, I. If you look at life through I, where am I going? What do I want? What am I doing? What's happening now to me? That's setting your mind on the flesh. My plans, my thoughts, where I am, what I'm doing. But when you set your mind on the spirit, you're saying this, what's God doing? What's God doing? What's the spirit doing all around me right here, right now? Yesterday, uh, Elle and I, uh, my daughter went to a store just to get a couple things, simple thing. 
And that time I was pretty aware spiritually because I'm preaching this sermon on the Holy Spirit today. And we walk in the store and we, the moment we walk in, I start praying in my mind. I said this, God, we, we, we have a list of things we're here to buy, but I also acknowledge that you, every person in this store, God, you love them. Every person in this store is a person you love. And God, if you need me to talk to someone, pray with someone, step out in any way in this store, my mind was set on the things of the spirit. And then, and then we're just buying stuff and collecting stuff and looking for stuff and whatever. And we had to get one thing all the way across the store. And we go all the way across and I see someone at the corner of my eye. I see someone that looks very familiar to me. It's a, it's, a, it's a girl, now she's a woman. She was in youth group when I was a youth pastor here and I was a teacher at Granville Christian. I, she was in, in one, two of my classes, as a matter of fact. And I was like, that looks like that, looks like her. But I'm like, it can't be her. She lives in Florida now. And, and then a few minutes later, I saw her again and she walked over to me. And, and I was like, I can't believe it's you. I thought you were in Florida. And she said this, she said, I should be in Florida where I live. But yesterday, my mom died. And so I'm back for the funeral. And I could just tell by the look on her face and what she was doing and a prompting of the Holy Spirit, you know what? We're meeting right now in a divine moment. God saw her heart, God saw her pain, and God saw me in the store. And he said, you know what? I'm gonna put you guys together so that, I, that, that God, God through his spirit can minister to her heart so that she can know that God loves her, that God cares. And I said, we're right there in the middle of the aisle. And I said to her, why don't you take my hand? Ella was right here too, my daughter. I said, why don't you take my hand and I'll pray for you right now. And she said, Pastor Tom, if you pray for me, I'll cry. I said, maybe you need to cry. And she nodded her head and I took her hand. I just prayed for her. Ella prayed and uh, quietly, not out loud. And uh, you just felt that moment. There's God at work. You set your mind on the things of the spirit. How often is your mind on the flesh, honestly? How often is your mind on me, 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 what I'm doing, where I'm going, what's happening? How often is your mind on the things of God, what God's doing, how, what the spirit longs to do, how the spirit is moving Four things. Number one, you submit yourself to God. Number two, you draw near to God. Scripture, prayer, worship, fasting, silence, solitude. You're drawing near to God. Number three, you set your mind on things above, on the things of the spirit. And the fourth one, the last one is the simplest one of all. The last one is you do this. You just ask God directly. Hey, let me unleash something for you. If you wanna hear God's voice more clearly, ask God direct questions. God, where, where should I go? God, what should I say? God, what do you need me right now? Direct questions are questions that God often answers. And don't forget, Jesus said this. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, when this service ends today, in a while, we have some baptisms. It's gonna be awesome. Get excited. When the service ends today, we're gonna to have a meeting for anyone interested in going with us to Israel in 2024. We're gonna have a meeting right here. But you know what? Someone came to me last night after, the, after that meeting and they said, they said, Pastor Tom, I, I wanna go on that trip to Israel with the church. But here's the thing. I've never flown on an air, airplane ever before. I said, the question for you is not this. The question is not, what's it like to fly? Or should I be afraid to fly? The question is one simple thing. Is God calling me to go on this trip or not? If God's calling you to go, everything's gonna work out and you're gonna go and be fine. Will you barf in the plane? Possibly, but it's okay. You're barfing in the will of God. If God's not calling you to go on the trip, don't go on the trip. Ask God directly what his will is. Now let's ask this question right now. What's the spirit doing? What does the spirit want? If you're asking God directly, how do you ask God for things that he wants for your life? Well, number one, I'll tell you this. The spirit of God wants to direct people to salvation through Jesus Christ. Say amen. 
That's number one. You can always know. When you pray for someone's salvation, you are praying in the will of God. Number two, what's the Holy Spirit doing? The Holy Spirit wants this. The Holy Spirit longs, the Spirit of God longs to heal, listen, to heal your unhealed wounds. The unhealed wounds of your heart. I estimate probably 80 to 90% of you hearing my voice right now have an unhealed wound in your life. An unhealed wound of a time when something happened you didn't expect, some trauma came in your life, someone died, someone passed away, something went on and you have, and as I say the phrase, unhealed wounds. I know many of you are already connecting with what I'm saying. I was invited to preach at a college a number of years ago. I went and preached uh, several services at this college. It was actually my, my alma mater. I went back and preached, preached there. And after one of the services, the middle service actually, a, a young girl came to me and she's very broken, very upset. And she said, would you just pray for me? I got to get my life together. And I, I put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed for her. And as I prayed, the Holy Spirit prompted me with this thing. As I began to pray for her, I saw a picture in my mind, which is not unusual or rare for me. I saw a picture in my mind of a, of a trailer, an old trailer and a swing set. And on the swing set was a little girl and she was swinging as hard as that swing would go. And we stopped praying and I said to her, I said, when I was praying for you, for wholeness and for the healing of unhealed wounds, I just saw a picture in my mind. I saw a trailer and a swing set and a little girl. And that little girl was swinging as fast as she could. And she said, she said, that's my, that's a trailer where I grew up. That's where I grew up. And when, when my dad was real drunk, and he would go after my mom, and he'd be so angry. I would just go out back, and I would get on those swings, and I would swing and swing, and I would pray. And I would say, God, if you're real, God, if you're real, save us. God, if you're real, help us. And I said to her, the reason I had that picture in my mind is to tell you that God is real and that God loves you and that God desires to heal your unhealed wounds. I know you got him. Listen to me. You matter. You matter to God. He loves you. What's the Spirit doing? He's calling people to salvation and to freedom in Christ, but he also desires to heal the unhealed wounds in our life, to bring us to wholeness before him. You ask, you ask, you seek, you knock, Holy Spirit work. But I want you to ask something specific. There's a specific thing I want you to ask God. Ask, seek, and knock. Here's what the Bible says right here. This is balanced biblical teaching on the Holy Spirit is what you need. Paul says this. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. What if you did this, number four? We should at, boldly ask God to fill us with the Spirit every day. Every day matters. You matter. Every day, asking God, fill me with your Holy Spirit. You just saw it in the Bible. It's God's will. That word filled, the word, the, the word you just read is in the Greek continual tense. It means God, refill me again and again. Refill me, God. Refill me with your Holy Spirit every day, boldly asking God. How many of you would say, raise your hand? You, you, can, you can tell right now, you need more of the presence and the work of the Spirit in your life. Just raise your hand. You need it. So let's just pray. Bow your heads. All around the room, bow your heads. Father, for everyone watching online right now and everyone sitting here in church, God, I pray your Holy Spirit would begin to work right now. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit at work in our lives right now. 
So if you're listening to my prayer and you feel comfortable, just, just open your hands in front of you. That's an that's a international sign that you're open to God's work. Just open your hands in front of you and just pray these words. Just pray this. I'll pray out loud. You can pray quietly. Just pray this. Holy Spirit, fill me. I submit to you. I will draw near to you. I will set my mind on you. I ask you to fill me today. And for my unhealed wounds, Father God, heal me.